and welcome to episode 935 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, June 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I am quite well. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastically. It's uh, We're in June. Like, if this was 2020, it? this season would be over. I know. And I think... Uh, the last week or so has been a good transformation of people realizing, okay, the season's not over. Like we all knew, knew that, but it's I not even halfway over. About it. Yeah, I know. You and I have talked about though how we've seen people kind of reacting still as if it is last year, and and some of the decisions that they're making um, have have seemed like they're kind of living in a two month world. But that's not that's not where we're at. Like you said, we're not even halfway over. I will say though, I do start to get this uneasy feeling in my stomach in, in June because I know that we're like two minutes away from football taking over, and it's so annoying. I just want that. No, just want no, let, let football take over. It means people in my leagues will stop play, paying as close of attention. That is uh, true. I'll gain Great some spots in the standings. I, you know, I, I think about this every year because in, I think it was 2019 was my first year in the NFBC, and – uh, I was in, you know, a few leagues and one of them at this point in the season, like I was in 12th place and out of 15. Um, and I was like, oh, I, I you know, I'm not going to be able to cash top three, get paid, you know, whatever. I'll focus on my other leagues. And then without really doing anything other than just kind of paying like bare minimum attention, like by August, I was in sixth place. Uh, oh, wow. And and I, I worked my butt off and, and ended up finishing third in that league. And had I done that the entire way, I likely would have finished second or, or even won the league. And so uh, it just te- taught me that, like, okay, you you just you got to stay vigilant the whole year. It doesn't matter what the yep. standings look like at Memorial Day uh, because so many people are going to fall off. You're going to have a chance. Exactly. And, you know, th- there's there's categories where uh, obviously counting categories, guys, you know, folks only go up, but the rate categories, people can come back to you while you're moving up, which really changes the dynamics of how things can work. And so I don't know that, you know, short of having a, a computer kind of help us that that we're all very good at like eyeballing a, a set of standings and being like, oh, I can gain this many points. It's like, if, if, if you just don't worry about running those calculations. It's fine to look at the standings and kind of get an idea of the lay of the land. But that doesn't mean that if you don't see a ton of points close that you should give up because it's that chiseling away. And then you look up three weeks later and you're like, wow, uh, now, now these points are available that weren't available. And I'm sure that's how it happened in that league for you. So there's still so much to be done. We we're barely getting started. And, um, New leagues just started, the Memorial Day leagues. I participated in one. Those uh, those drafts were pretty interesting. Did you end up doing one? I did not. I dodged you those. You held on. I, I dodged those bullets like I was in the Matrix. It just. <laughs> um, Colin, Colin even got in one. Yeah, oh, he texted me to get into that one. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I've got 29 leagues. I don't need a 30th. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think for you it was the right move because your your volume is already there. If it was like a DC style, like I wish they had done some ones that were DCs, uh, you know, no fab where there's no fab. Like I I probably would have done it, but 
I don't need like another thing to sweat over on Sunday nights. No, I feel that. I feel that. And like I said, if I had a bigger workload, I, I purposely was slimmed down this year and uh, felt I, I could take it. And it was very nice of an NFBC to hook me up and set up that beat pulse for. So that helped uh, with the decision too. It was a fun draft. And, you know, those ones always are. I did them back in 2019. And I took the strategy that, you know, I think a lot of people know kind of uh, can work. Um, Phil Dussault tweeted it out, actually, because he wasn't participating. And I was like, hey, Phil, you could have waited until after the draft. Because that's the strategy that I was already going to (laughs) take. He's like, I'm not doing one of these, but here's what I do. Pitching, pitching, pitching. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I did in 19. And, like, you know, you're not pulling the wool over anybody's eyes in NFBC anyway. So... It didn't matter. It's not like uh, it's not like him tweeting that out made it so nobody could perform that uh, that strategy. But I did go heavy with it. I, I opened with four pitchers, um, and then and then four hitters right after that. And so my pitching focus team was Woodruff, Glassnow, Musgrove, Hendricks to start. And then I was still able to get Teoscar, Arenado, Edmund, and Cruz as my offensive core. So it's twelve team, but uh, I feel good about where the squad is. I took. My big gamble was Buxton. Obviously, he's still out trying to decelerate properly. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, I've got uh, got some teams that I am focused on. I will be able to divert some attention to this club. But the, the main event's still cooking. Beat Colin Weatherwax is going well. My uh, TGFBI team is sitting on the cusp of the top 100 in the middle of the pack of my league. So, hey, it's been a good season so far. And I... Uh, I just want to kind of continue it, ideally as uh, as it's been with uh, with a top five main event team. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. If you take down this main event, um, that'd be unreal. Yeah, That'd be amazing. Yeah, I, I I don't know what we'll do. We're we're gonna do something. Lots huge. of work. Yeah, lots of work to be done though. Hopefully, I uh, can can you know avoid the the catastrophic starts and the catastrophic injuries. Uh, which I've been able to do so far, and I, I'm in a pretty good spot for Fab. I, I wasn't really sure. Um, you know, I've never been in contention like this, so I didn't know exactly where you where you want to be Fab-wise. And I was telling Dusty, he's like, well, how much you got? I was like, 622. He's like, oh, you have tons. I was like, okay, great. Great, that feels good. Um, but I am fourth most in my league. There's a 757, a 721, and a 720. So, And the 720 is Rob DiPietro. So, um, he's pretty good. It should it's pretty darn good. So it'll be fun, but let's talk some news. We don't need to keep talking about our leagues. Uh, let's dive in. Hey, Alberto Mondesi's back, and it's gone. Um, he left early on Monday, and oh my God, if he's hurt, I think I'll it's never it seems like it's minor. So it does, it really does. But my God, he's raking. Hamstring tweak. You know, he comes out of the gates just on fire two homers and a steal hitting 360 with a 1080 ops tiny sample but just hits the ground running exactly what his fantasy managers would have wanted and of course leaves with a tweak on monday hopefully it's not much that's what the news is saying right now so obviously there isn't a lot that's actionable but if there is something here and and we do get another like disjointed on and off the il type season would would you quit Mondesi? No, because he can be such a difference maker. I, I mean, it, I think it always depends on where he's going in True. drafts, right? Like, it's, you know, he, he, he when he's 
a first round pick or a second round pick, that becomes a lot more difficult. But uh, a season, if it continues to be something like this, where he's playing well but injured, like I don't know that it drops his price enough. That's the tough because people right? will always and... throw it out and be like, "Oh, you, you know, he was he was injured." Um, yep. But this the way is we did with Stanton. Uh, obviously, different player types, but the same type of vibe of like. Oh, he was hurt. I'm going to take a shot because of the upside. But this is like who he's kind of been throughout his career. And I don't think we've talked yep. about it enough. He's never had 500 plate appearances in the majors in a single season. Um, you know, yeah. He's never had 450. Yeah. I mean, he did play a full season last year. So yes. like because. But it, but it was only 59 games mm-hmm. and it was hell to go through. Yeah. Um, especially if you're in head to head. He was an absolute dud for you for the uh, first month plus of the season but then down the stretch he was single-handedly winning yeah the, you know your, your league 24 for you. stolen bases in 59 games yeah i was kind of bummed that uh that he came back like right when he did because it kept his price high in the memorial days he was a third rounder because he was back basically yeah. um i'm surprised yeah. that he was just a third rounder though well i guess it's a 12 team league so yeah, that's yeah. like a second round. Yeah, if I'm... fifteen team, he would have had a good chance to be like a late second rounder, uh, depending on on where people were picking. So yeah, we're not seeing it. It, it looks precautionary here, um, and let's let's hope that that's what it is, and he's fine. But he is off to a great start. So five got him five thirty eight Babbitt one or a three sixty ISO. I expect that Babbitt to maintain. Yeah, I, if it does, then. You know, we're looking at a pretty great season. Though, I mean, if he keeps hitting doubles and home runs, he won't steal any bases. He can't steal. Yeah, he can't steal when he, when he's doing all that. So he's, he's had nine hits so far. Uh, seven of them been for extra ba- or five of them been for extra base hits. So that's pretty hard. That's hard pretty to steal when you're never standing on first. True. True. Um, let's move on. Next bit of news is with Ramon Laureano, who is likely headed to the IL. And I wanted to bring him up, obviously, not only because of that, but we also got some great news uh, or, or some great insight, I should say, about him. This is not great news with the groin that could likely put him on on the IL. But uh, when talking about his his steals, I was pointing out how he uh, he has eight steals like very early in the season and then hasn't stolen since. He's like 0 for 2. And then it was pointed out that he has, um, I think it's shin splints that they said, and that he's going to be kind of up and down with his steals where he's going to have periods where they kind of like let him relax. And then he's going to have his steals in bursts. And so I think if you know that, obviously this groin issue is a completely different thing. But if you know that, that makes it a lot more palatable because I was like, how does this guy not have you know, how do you go from eight steals this fast to nothing? Yeah, he has not had a it. stolen base since April 13th. He's 0 for 2 in that time. And he has not attempted a stolen base in the month of May. Yeah, stress fractures, not shin splints. I knew oh, it wasn't Jesus. shin splints, but I couldn't remember. Stress fractures that he can have in, in his legs that they'll, when, when they're like kind of flaring up, he's going to take his time on the on the bases. But then when he's good... They're going to kind of give him that green light. So the bottom line could still be good, but it's going to have these ups and down periods. Obviously, he's got to get his groin right and everything, you know, for for that to even matter. But that stress fracture news was something I did not know. 
that's one of the beauties of like uh, when you're watching a game, people pick up that info and, and somebody tweeted at me at real MIG train. Uh, big thanks. A few other people contributed after that too, but that was the first one because I'd pointed out that he was uh, eight steals after nine games and he's as eight steals after 48 games and a couple different people had uh, hit me with that tip. So we'll see what happens with the groin. Obviously that will make matters worse with regards to running, but maybe he needs a little time off. And then when he comes back, the stress fractures and the groin would be good. And he could be, he could be running, you know, immediately when he gets back, but he's, he's still been great. 11 homers, eight steals, 257 average, 30 runs, 22 ribbies. He's been fantastic, but this is a bummer if Floriano does have to hit the, uh, hit the IL with a groin. Absolutely. Did you get him anywhere? Uh, a couple of DCs. Yeah, I, I I got some shares. Like I was definitely interested. Um, he's been my guy, you know, a, a target of mine for a few years, and you know his price wasn't cheap, but it also wasn't egregious. So I found him buyable in many drafts. He went eighth round here in um, in in the Memorial Day Second Chance, and I would have taken him. It was two picks before me. I went ahead and went with Cruz. I, I pivoted from a power speed guy into a, just a pure power util guy, but I, I would have taken him to go with. Uh, Tay Oscar uh, to, to lead off my outfield there. But uh, maybe I dodged a bullet because he's hurt right away. Yeah, so, he's a guy that uh, I tend to avoid a little bit just because he has trouble staying on the field. Uh, it, it, it's, it has been an issue. Yeah, play, no, plays another hard. guy who's never had 500 play appearances in the majors. Oh, wow. Never. Mm-hmm. I thought he would have had one season. He came uh, close in least. 2019. He played, again, a full season, 54 games last year. Uh, yeah. But... You know, as we're seeing like, these guys who played full seasons last year, doesn't mean as much. Uh, Anything, you really. know, coming into this year, <laughs> everybody's hurt, and so uh, especially the guys with bad health track records, I just kind of avoid it. Justin, I have amazing news for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Cabrian Hayes is coming back on Thursday. Let's go. How many of your 29 leagues does that help off the top of your head? Uh, I'm going to guess he's on nine teams this year of mine. Uh, so, oh, it's a high-impact player. And as I check, he's on nine NFBC teams, which okay. means he is on 12, 13 of my teams this year. Okay, so yeah, again, one of your cornerstone high-impact players you haven't really gotten anything out of him yet. You know, he had a handful of plate appearances before he got hurt. And uh, we'll see We'll see what happens when he comes back. Obviously, the expectations are high. I'm expecting Hayes to be great. I mean, he's, he's a really good hitter. Now, let me ask you. I, you know, I don't know how much somebody else's struggles are going to make you feel about a different player. But he kind of is there with Alec Bohm, where they both had really good small samples last year. And we kind of anointed both, and and we're drafting them with confidence. Bohm's been brutal, 203, 249, 302, in uh, virtually the same sample that he had last year. He's gone from a 139 OPS last year in 180 plate appearances to a 54 OPS plus this year in 209 plate appearances. Do you have concerns about Hayes doing that? Mm, Not really. I don't even have that many concerns about Bohm. I think Bohm's going to be fine rest of the year. No, I, I think he's... He's uh, gotten super too. unlucky. Uh, and so, like, I think... he In in, or in 2020, Bohm got very lucky. Like, you know, he hit, what, 338 uh, 
with a 410 BABIP. This year, he's just getting like that regression <laughs> back because uh, mm-hmm. the baseball gods don't realize that this is not just a continuation of the 2020 season. Uh, <laughs> and he's got he's got a 261 BABIP. His his XBA is is 262. Uh, I, I think Bone will be fine. Uh, rest of the way, uh, I'm actually still one of those guys that I would try to buy low on. Uh, or if I find him on the waiver wire, uh, I'd pick him up. Yeah, I think some shallower leagues like ten teamers, you're gonna find some uh, some boom on on the on the wire there. But in leagues where he's not, I think it is time to maybe knock on the door and see what's up because I think you can get a real discount. I don't think Alec Boehm has done nearly enough to not deliver a discount when he's performing like this. So yeah, one home uh, run. We're, or no no, I mean how many home runs? Yeah, I was looking at uh four, I was looking at, yeah. four home runs, three steals. The three steals is interesting. So uh, yeah, and I'm 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 here for that, obviously. We're both bought in on a buy buy low here. Yeah, I think so. Um uh I mean he's not available in any of my leagues right now, so you know, yeah. in my trading leagues, yeah. If I especially as like a part of a two for two, maybe you're trying to improve your pitching staff and you can go, you know, send like a I don't know a, a Nate Lau uh, and a pitcher for Alec Bohm and a, and a better pitcher. Mm-hmm. I would do that, or you know, yeah. even like a CJ Cron or something like that. I like something like that. Um, I definitely think that there's there's something out there where you can uh, make a fair trade that you know isn't fleecing anybody, but you got to get a discount there because he just hasn't been that good. And um, we're again, we're not too too worried about that. But I didn't mean to take attention from your guys. So. What do you expect out of Hayes? Um, I would expect double-digit home runs rest of the way with a, a pretty good average and, um, you know, some chip-in stolen bases. So, you know, I mean, it, it's definitely not going to be what you originally drafted him for, but I think uh, you're looking at maybe finishes the year with, like, 15 home runs and five or six stolen bases. To I wonder if there average. could be. I wonder if there could even be a little bit more on that stolen base tip if they if they turn him loose and he wants to go. He has a twenty seven steal season, um, twelve and thirteen steal seasons in one hundred seventeen and one hundred thirteen games respectively. So there might be a chance to get some double digit speed going again if he wants to and if the team wants him to. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things that we won't stealing know. much this year. So. Yeah, I mean, do uh, so they have anybody that can? I mean, yeah, not really. <laughs> so that's so, the hard you know, part. And, I, and he's not a blazer, so I'm not here to imply that that Hayes is going to like, you know, torch the base paths up. I just feel like maybe some of that that small contribution there. You know, Bohm already has three. We mentioned. I feel like Hayes could already have three if he'd been playing so far this year too. But we'll see how it goes. That's not what you're. You any any speed is like tack on. You don't need him to run to deliver his value. Uh, but he's back Thursday. That's big news. Eager to see how Cabrian gets going again. Uh, Jack Flaherty leaves early with side tightness in his start. Looks like uh, just kind of a standard thing. I don't know that it's going to be too crazy. Um, you do worry that a side can turn into an oblique injury, but I think everything's okay. Stop letting pitchers hit. I know. It just, came while he was hitting. Yeah, don't just stop it. You know, It's so bad. I hate it so unbelievably much. Yes, abs- just just stop it. Just stop letting pitchers hit. Just no, this please, is not please. okay. 
Change change the rule middle se- middle of the season. I, I think there's still a chance we get the <laughs> Justin's still holding out. He's like, I, I don't know, man. I, I really think I really, I'm holding on to these Schwarber shares because I think he's going to be a DH soon. Um, yeah, so not a whole lot to add with the Flaherty thing. It was more of just a, a informative. Uh, keep an eye on it, but I don't I don't know that it's going to be anything. And I knew it would give us an opportunity to crap on pitchers hitting because. I mean, who wants to watch that? I'm sorry. Like, whenever I see somebody trying to take the contrarian side, I'm just like, stop. You're embarrassing yourself. It's very bad. Cut it out. Um, Evan Longoria leaves with side issue, too. They both had side tightness, Flaherty and Longoria. Evan Longoria did hit a homer in that game. and Had been odd. He's been awesome. And just, like, watching him hit the home run – it was vintage. Like the, the way he looks, he looks like he's 10 years younger right now. Longoria does. He's been excellent. Hopefully the right side soreness is nothing crazy. He's going to have an MRI today to determine the severity. Um, I want, I feel like you got to kind of find a way to keep him though. If he did hit the IL, it would depend on your team situation, but he's hitting 274 with nine homers, 26 runs, 29 ribbies and a steal chipped in. Is Evan Longoria somebody you got to try to keep if he does, in fact, hit the IL with a short, you know, something that's expected to be like a short stint? Would you make sure that you keep him? Absolutely. I mean, he's been way too good, right? Yeah, 236 ISO. He's walking at a 12% rate right now, uh, making good contact. Like, it's, uh, he's been fantastic this year and, um, and really kind of carrying over a little bit of what the underlying skills were last year. Uh, you know, I think people look at kind of the last year's line. It's like, oh, 254, seven home runs. So seven home runs and 53 play appearances this is pretty close to what he was doing this year. Um, and, you know, I mean, last year he was striking out a little bit less than he was this year, making a lot of contact within the zone. Yeah, I mean, when he's healthy, he's still a pretty good bat. And they let him hit in the middle of that lineup. So uh, I uh, I hope he's okay, but I mean he's 35. He's got a long history of uh, of injuries, especially over the course of the last four years. Um, so he's gonna miss time here here and there. You got to try to hold on to him if you can. He does have an interesting trajectory because Longo, remember, you know, 25, 26 back in 2011, 2012, he got this tag as like the injury prone, and guy. then he was the most like uninjured player. Yeah. In baseball for like five straight seasons. Five straight seasons, he was a rock. And so it's like it can turn. I remember Ian Kinsler was like that early in his career with Texas. He's known as this guy that, you know, he just doesn't stay healthy. And then he became a rock for several years. And so, you know, you don't know how an injury profile is going to um you know grow or or fade over the years. A lot of times we expect it to fade with age, but sometimes they hit that period there in their mid to late 20s, early 30s, where they do, uh, you know, find that stability with their health. And so hopefully everything's good with Longoria. He's been awesome. It's been really impressive. I did see this thing. Like I, I clicked on his trending because of the the injury, and I was kind of floored. Like the, the, the top tweet was somebody saying, like, He's on HGH. I was like, but what do you what do you say? How do you know this? Like it was like way too confidently saying. Was it that. his doctor? Like, no, it was uh, this guy here, Roy Drones. Jr. I'm gonna I'm gonna G chat it to you. You can see there, and he's just like nonchalantly saying it. He's like, 
Uh, Evelyn Gory hits his ninth homer. This old man is on fire. He's also on each HGH. Hopefully he stays hot. He might also be a prototype designer amphetamine. Oh, might also be on prototype designer amphetamines. Just like really just saying like no chance that this is legit. He has to be on greenies and or HGH. Like, are you kidding, dude? This dude just really going for it out here. Uh, he has 10K followers. Dude. I know. I'm just noticing that. I'm also reading so, like, some of his tweets and they're... Um... They're interesting. They're interesting. Yep. Yep. Um, I will say his his uh, uh, pinned picture there with that little dog is pretty cute. That's what I'll say. I don't think I'm going to be uh, comfortable accusing Longoria of doing that stuff. It wouldn't, you know, I, I don't think I would have any real problem with it. If he got caught and get, had to get in trouble, that's fine. But I don't give a crap. This guy has more is. followers than me. This is bullshit. It's unbelievable. You should just start uh, talking shit about players and saying that they're apparently. God, just start randomly uh, accusing play. I don't. I don't know that'll go over well with the fan graphs in my bio. I, I, I don't think it will. I think we would have a real problem with you doing that, and just like aggressively so. I was like floored by that when I clicked on the Evan Longoria <laughs> trending yesterday. Yeah, um, the road write up well, really escalated quickly. Yeah, you just start accusing people every single time. Yo, this this random fifth starter had a good start. I think he was just cheating. He had a good concoction tonight of of sticky stuff. Uh, don't pick him up. This is not real. He's going to get caught with stuff on his fingers. Next. And you just start railing on everybody. Um, next for us is Lorenzo Kane. He's going to go on the IL with a hamstring. Is Lorenzo Kane somebody that needs to be rostered in many leagues at this point? I don't think so. I, I mean... Like you have to wait till he's healthy, right? He's like an on off the wire type of guy yeah. based on whether or not he's he's healthy, right? Because I don't like I wouldn't be writing this out in many leagues. I don't even think a fifteen teamer is it's a guaranteed hold for me. No, I just picked him up in uh, one of our leagues together, and I'm a little bummed that uh, I'm gonna drop him again next week. I got him real cheap. It yeah. was in the Colin League um, for three bucks. Yeah. And so that was a nice little pickup, you would have thought, because he's a little power speed, and then he gets hurt again. Yeah, but I By think way, you have to drop him, which is unfortunate because, uh, you know, typically when healthy, he's uh, a good, you know, stolen base source. So, but he's the contributor, yeah. Uh, so I mean, if you have, like, especially in d deeper leagues, like, if you don't have other stolen base sources, you may have to just hold on to him. But the fact that they put him on the IL so quickly. I mean, they didn't even try to wait a day or two nope. uh, is is a bad sign. So this this seems like it'll be a multiple week injury. I tend to agree. And so that will keep uh, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., Abisail Garcia, Garcia. Mm -hmm. and uh, obviously Christian Yelich is back. And so he's playing, you know, and Kane's history and JBJ's like not being awesome. Is, is why I was still pretty confident in Avisal Garcia. And I'm going to say, I'm going I'm to do it. I told you so because you didn't think I should draft him because they had those outfielders. And there he is playing because uh, there's, there's there's spots open. And I didn't know Kane would be this hurt. I think he's only played like a handful of games so far this year. What's he got? Yeah, oh, he got 31, more than I thought. But uh, JBJ has been rough. That's been He's a, been a, really, really bad. Like – kind of unplayable but but who are they going to go to now it's just because the defense uh, is so good so it's like that's the thing they're still getting at least you're still getting something from from him and you know it, it certainly helps there in center 
because neither neither corner outfielder is great with Yelich and Avisel Garcia. Um, but he's going to play a lot. Are you picking Jackie Bradley Jr. up in anything besides maybe like NL only? You can't, right? I mean, he has a 35 OPS plus. You have to see something before you do that. All right. Uh, last, a little bit of injury news, and then we're going to get into some buy low or let go, some struggling guys that uh, we have to decide if, if it's if it's time to move on. But Kyle Lewis leaves early with a knee, uh, a little bit more of a precautionary situation that we don't know exactly where it's going to go yet, uh, whether or not he's going to require an IL stint. He's been okay. And it was with Kyle Lewis in particular that uh, – really dialed in and had me kind of go further. Like I knew like batting averages this year, there's certain batting average that you'd be surprised to learn or like, okay, they're, they're pretty good, including his 246. Like that's not that bad given where the league average is. But I was really surprised that his 726 OPS was generating in a 111 OPS plus that really hit home where we're at with production, five homers, two steals for Kyle Lewis as well. Um, hopefully he can avoid the IL, but uh, what, what do you think of the the sophomore campaign so far of Lewis? And if he hits the IL, this is somebody you protect in, in most leagues, right? Yeah, I think you have to because, I mean, we saw what he did at the beginning of last season, just how hot he can get. But I also think that this is kind of indicative of who he may turn out to kind of be, which is when he's hot, like he's one of the best hitters in baseball. And when he's not, he's unplayable. And then there's the injury risk. So yeah, like, that's the scary part. It's going to be hard for me in the future to want to draft him just because that's... he's usually pretty cheap though. So, sorry to cut you off, but I, I feel like a lot well, of, we don't really know in... what he is yet. I mean, he's only had one draft season. Well, yeah. And I was just saying in this draft season, I found him pretty cheap. Wow. Why would he go up? After, well, I mean, because he was starting the year on summer. the he started the year on the IL this year, so that really drove down his price. I mean, it, it all, all all obviously depends on like what he does over the course of the full season. But like, had he been starting the season in the majors, uh, he would have been like a top hundred and twenty draft pick. You think so? Yeah, I do. Because I kept uh, – in multiple drafts, I ran into a situation where I was like, he's still available. Does nobody want – when did it become clear that he was starting the season on the IL? I don't know the answer to that. I don't remember that either. So if anyone remembers that, let let, let us know. I felt like he, he was last. His min pick coming into drafts was 56. Okay. Coming into OCs. Or no, I'm, I'm just, I just, yeah, I just, well, because mains were later in the draft season. That's what I'm saying. So I'm, that's why I'm asking, like, where's that cutoff where we knew that he was going to be on the IL? That's what I'm, wait, what, what? Oh, 56. That had to be some, some OC or some uh, draft champion in the fall because his min pick in the OC was 94, which again is later in the draft I mean, season. His, I, his I, I hear ADP, what you're saying before 2021 so we're talking okay. october november december was yeah. 120 okay but i think i feel like i don't think it was just injury that changed i think people started to sour on him because i was operating under that like i like kyle lewis so i always had him pretty I like high kyle lewis too. 
And he'd be one of those guys. You ever have that on your list where one guy's just standing out? And you're like, why isn't he going? And then you're asking yourself the next question. Why am I not taking him either? It's like, I'm also not mm-hmm. interested. All so the it's time. Like, yeah, I'm not roasting my league. I'm I'm just openly questioning, like, why do, why do none of us want this guy? And it always it was always Kyle Lewis for me in the outfield. And I ended up taking him in some leagues because he just kept lasting and lasting and lasting. So I, I hear what you're saying, with the, especially with those fall numbers. That really highlights what you're trying to talk about here. So we're going to just have to see where it goes with Kyle Lewis. I still really like him, though. And, you know, hopefully he doesn't have to go on the IL. I'd consider maybe buying on him. I know the injury concern is there, but if you're if you're really trying to make a turnaround, you want some potentially high impact bats that can come at a pretty fair price. I don't think Lewis is expensive in, in the trade market. I, w- I would be surprised if he were. So I'd go out there knocking on some doors uh, for Lewis because you can get a little power speed combo, not a ton of speed, but a contribution with power. And like I said, his 246, 311, 392 line has actually been above average. It's a 111 OPS plus right now. So keep an eye on Lewis. Obviously, if he leaves, if if this knee does cause an IL stint, I I don't like to go out and buy guys that are hitting the IL fresh. But um, I mean, it would lower the price. So if you if you really are looking, but 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 if you're trying to turn it around, you don't want to buy guys on the IL. You want to buy those uh, those buy lows that uh, that are at least playing. And maybe you want to buy some of these guys. That that is a segue, Justin. Get on. We're gonna we're Let's gonna two man this segue here, and we're gonna slide on over to buy low or let go. And it's just as straightforward as it seems. Here we're talking. We're focused more on like the ten to twelve team realm where you could cut some of these guys because in deeper leagues, I think a lot of them you just have to ride it out. Um, you spent too much draft capital and the expectations too. I understand it's a sunk cost once you spend the draft capital. What I mean by that is their expectations are high enough that I think you can give them longer in deeper leagues. So we are focused more on shallow leagues where the, the waiver wire is going to offer you something to replace them with. And we're going to go first to outfield and then catcher at the end because it's catcher and catcher's garbage. So let's start with Josh Bell. Um, obviously, we've talked about him a couple of different times this year over the course of his excessive struggles he is up to seven homers uh but he's hitting 207 268 400 and this carries over from last year when things weren't going well for bell is he turning it around lately um are are you seeing are you seeing something that you're buying into you know starting in mid-may here when he's hitting 316 371 561 over his last 62 plate appearances with four homers or are you looking at that bottom line and last year and and second half 2019 and saying no thanks are you buying low on josh bell or are you letting him go um i don't know that you can buy low on him necessarily right now i mean he's actually been really really good since we last talked about him because he, of course he listens to the show uh he's oh, oh, over his last 38 plate appearances hitting 306 with three home runs hey that works uh now it's interesting because he's just what he's doing is just becoming more aggressive at the plate. Um, yeah, strikeouts are through the roof. Yeah, so I mean, swinging strike rate of fourteen percent, swinging outside the zone thirty one percent, but he's making good zone contact, uh, decent contact overall. I, uh, I mean, I think if there are leagues where he's still available on on the wire, where people have dropped him, or you might be able to. Uh, buy low on him a little bit just because first base is so deep that chances are that, you know, Bell could be on rosters with 
teams who've got guys like Jared Walsh. Uh, oh, for sure. And yeah. so and Crone. Yeah, you know they could have like Walsh and Crone at their corner and uh, utility with Bell as their first baseman. Now they're saying Bell's on the bench. Those guys are corner mm-hmm. and first base. One of the things now, I love to do is go to good teams and just look who's on their bench. Um, yes. And be like, hey, you're not using Josh Bell. You know, why don't you? Here's a pitcher that you can use. Um, and and maybe that is uh, uh, what you do. Yeah. I, mean, I like what you said there, by the way, with here's something that you can use. That's mm-hmm. so underrated. People looking at, you know, they just know what they want and they don't give any consideration to what can help their trade partner. Find something that can actually help your trade partner before you make an offer. There's nothing worse than being like getting a trade offer for for like steals, for example. And I'm leading the league by 14 steals. It's yeah. like, hello, did you even look? Anyway, sorry, or, or call. The, the opposite. You're in a dog fight in steals and they want to take your they stolen take your, base guy. Yeah, like, they yeah. take Tommy Edmond from you. And you're like, hey, dude, I'm four steals away from six points. Mm-hmm. You're insane. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, know what your opponent needs or else you're just insulting them and you're looking very it, – it'll be obvious from offers when people are super selfish. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, a guy that I wouldn't mind buying low on, but it has to be a buying low situation. Like I have to be getting a real discount because – I think this profile is going to end up having lots of ups and downs uh, through yeah. the course of the season. Like there isn't a massive change in what he's been doing the last few years. He's just making a little bit more contact right now, as opposed to, you know, a few weeks ago in which he was not making contact at all. Yeah. I don't think anybody in good conscience could try to, uh, hold you over a barrel for Josh Bell. You know, he was, he was bought back in on this year on, on the idea that he's not going to be that bad, change of scenery, better team. Although that last part has, ooh, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're better, but, uh, it's barely noticeable. It's, uh, they're like a couple games better in the loss column and just one game better in the win column. Washington yeah, it's, versus it's got Pittsburgh. like the fourth worst record in in the national they're, they're awful dude i thought they'd be a good team i really did i like uh, that yeah I thought, they were my pick to win the world series there yeah oh i i only had them winning the division but i would not have balked at you doing that because i was big on the big three getting back uh scherzer corbin strasburg thought they had some bullpen pieces that i really liked and i really liked the uh bell schwarber additions to the offense and yikes and you know you could say okay soto's missed some time Nothing is enough to acknowledge like how bad they've been. Like it, it doesn't matter. Anyway, moving on to our next guy here, Brandon Lau, over on Tampa Bay. Now I got to be honest, this one is a little bit of a uh, Keston Hira situation, where I feel like we kind of ignored the obvious warning signs. A because second base was bad at the top, and and he looked like somebody who could, you know be the savior there. He had 14 homers, three steals, 269 average uh, last year. It wasn't, it's not quite as bad as hero with the plate profile, but it was looking like, okay, this guy strikes out a ton. He does walk to counterbalance it, but he kind of is bad dependent as far as maintaining his batting average. Should we be concerned here? 
And he's off to a, a slow start, 181, 307, 372, with the BABIP all the way down to 236. Strikeouts are back up this year from 26 to 31. They were It was a 35% rate back in 2019. He does still have nine homers and three steals, though. So you kind of overlook, you, you kind of look over the entire profile, and you can see things that you still like about Lau, despite the fact that he's hitting 189. And I'm going to back off that, that Hira comp a little bit because he walks a lot more than Hira ever did. Um, and the, the issue with Hira before it was exposed that he's not that great was high Ks, low walks, high BABIP. And I felt like we glossed over that. Lau's different. At any rate, his BABIP's dog crap right now, and it should come back to at least his career 311. He still has nine homers, three steals. You buying low on, on Brandon Lau? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm definitely concerned with the the strikeout rate going back up. You know, we we saw a lot of improvements last year uh, in the strikeouts, uh, and like, okay, 25 percent, we can do we can do a lot of damage with that. Uh, but it's gone back up to like 35 percent, and it, it's largely because he's swinging outside of the zone quite a bit. Uh, so chasing. He, yeah, he's just chasing pretty much everything. I think he, which is, is weird for a guy who's got such good understanding of the strike zone. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, you usually don't see guys strike, or, you know, swinging outside of the zone 35% of the time and then posting 12% walk rates. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to take a look at his splits and see if it, it's gotten a little bit better. Um, but... Yeah, I'm I'm a bit concerned. I do think it's going to get better. I just don't know if it's going to be quite what we thought it was going to be when he was going in the fourth, fifth rounds of drafts this year. I think he's he's going to have power. He's going to have speed. Uh, the question becomes if this continues over the course of the next month or two, will he lose his job to the prospects yeah. they will be breaking up at some point? That's the concerning thing is if Vidal Brujan uh, and or Wander Franco start to push Lau if he doesn't improve. And and I think that's a concern that we share there. You know, they cleared they cleared a little bit of the space out with Adamas getting uh, getting traded to Milwaukee. And obviously we know Taylor Walls is already up, but Brujan's been a monster in the minors, and we know Franco is on the cusp as well. And he's been good too. But um, in fact, they're the top two most searched guys in our in our minor league players on our on our search bar. Franco has a 124 WRC plus in AAA with four homers, three steals, and Brujan has a 165 Bruhan's with seven homers and nine steals. Oh, I I love Brujan, dude. Like he's. He's such a monster. Cannot wait till he comes up. Now, there is another avenue for Lau in the outfield, but that avenue might be blocked off because the corners are Rosarena and Meadows. And I don't know that, I mean, would you want to put a Rosarena in center for Kiermaier and allow, allow Lau, fun fun sentence there, and, and, and put Lau out there in, in left or right? I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if that's if that's viable or not. I think he's doing well enough to where those guys aren't going to force him out just yet. But I don't know, man. How much longer can you hold a 189 average and 307 OBP before the the hot prospects come and in, in, in overtake you? What do you think about the outfield potential for Lau? Is that closed off because of the defensive setup? Uh, or is Kiermaier so bad that they could afford to take him off the field for a few days a week? put Lau out there with a Rosarena in center. I, 
I mean, I think with the Rays, it's always going to be a moving part situation. So, True. like, and they'll they'll just figure it out. Nobody gets a, you know. I think this is something we didn't uh, talk enough about. I guess because uh, we, we we thought that there were going to be certain guys that had kind of just set situations, and and there are. I mean, Rosarena is not coming out of the lineup, uh, and Lau for the most part hasn't come out of the lineup, even no, though he should. But he's played fifty one games. That they're trying to let him work through it, which I, I think makes sense, but. I do wonder if it's going to come to a head as as both Franco and Bruhan continue to play well. Now, Walls, if he doesn't improve, he's just going to get traded out for Bruhan. I think Bruhan comes up first. Yeah, because uh, Franco's and, not on the 40-man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And didn't you say that you wanted to look at Lau's splits? Uh, what, did you mean lefty-righty or, or month? I was looking at uh, both. Uh, okay, he, has he been, doesn't hit lefties at all. He's been br- – well, and that was the thing I think we – kind of fell for last year because last year he had a 300 batting average against lefties. Um, we got tricked. And we, yeah, we definitely got kind of duped. Uh, he had six homers too and 60 plate appearances. Yeah. So it looked like, okay, he he's hitting both sides. He should be fine. And like you said, they are playing him a ton, but I think he needs to be sitting against lefties right now with an 071 average. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been brutal. So, yeah, it's, this one hurts me because he's he's on a ton of my teams and things haven't gotten better in May at all. So, uh, you know, he's he he could go on a heater. We've we've definitely seen it with him before. So I don't think he's a guy you're dropping, um, but I don't necessarily know that he's someone you're buying low on either. I think that's I think that's completely fair that you wouldn't want to uh, buy him because of where he's at right now and because of the threat to his playing time could be coming quickly in the form of Adal Bruhan um, and, and allow should at least start losing time against lefties. And, and I'm frankly, I'm surprised that they, you know, the Rays of all teams haven't already started to do that. All right. I doubt you're letting this guy go, but uh, we do have to talk Francisco Lindor. Obviously he's been the highest profile uh, flop thus far uh, on offense we know that the Mets are obviously not going to bench him or anything like that. He's going to continue to play every day. I guess I want to take your temperature on whether or not you think he's going to do well enough the rest of the way to where he can erase where we're at. Or have we banked enough, you know, 195 plate appearances of a 74 WRC plus that that's going to stain his bottom line no matter what. And I will throw in that he was only a 102 WRC plus last year. And a 115 the year before. It's like, you know, he's he's 32 homers and 22 steals back in 2019. He was an elite fantasy player with a 284 average. But 115 WRC plus is not astronomical. And then a 102, of course, is pretty meh last year. But now a 74, that's that's beyond the pale. 216 Babbitt, come on, he's going to fix that, right? How great is Lindor going to be? How how good can he be the rest of the way, in your opinion? Or how good is he going to be? Not can he be? I mean, I think he could be uh, an elite fantasy player rest of the way if things turn around for him. Obviously, I mean, and he's. I think the thing he's not doing is he he needs to be more aggressive at the plate. Uh, I mean, his his zone swing percentage is the lowest of his career. Um, I mean, his overall swing percentage is lowest of his career. Uh, he's making a uh, fair amount of contact. He's, you know, 88% zone contact percentage is great. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, uh, like, I, like, I think he is a guy who's being hurt more by the ball. And you combine that with moving to a park that's harder on, on guys who don't have real, like, elite power. Um, and then I think he's just getting unlucky. Uh, like, I mean, 216 Babbitt, but that doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, he's, you know, there has been some weak contact issues, but, uh, like he's also like, you know, his, his hard contact percentages aren't that much lower. Well, I guess they are. Yeah. It's hard contact percentage. He's just not in the ball as hard. Uh, and I think that the ball and the park are, are playing into it. I would, my, my guess would be he finishes around 20 home runs, uh, and finishes around 20 stolen bases for the year. Okay, 2020 season. What what can he get the bottom line average up to? He's hitting 198 right now, and he'll he should get you know another 450 to 500. We'll call it 500 plate appearances. Probably finishes be... at 255, 260. Okay, well that's gonna he's gonna hit pretty well the rest of the way then. That would have to be like a 280 something, no? Yeah, I I think he's probably hitting like 270, 275 rest okay. of the way. Um. You know, well, you know what? I'm I'm gonna backpedal on that one. I think he's probably hitting 260 the rest of the way. Well, because part of it isn't even. It's like the the environment, like yeah. the, the the ball and the in the league and all that. Like, because if he hits 260 the rest of the way, that's not too bad overall. But of course, it won't be enough to really turn the bottom line around. I think no. that would still leave him in like the the high 240s, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably looking at like a guy who's yeah, 245, 247, something like that, end of season line. 2020s, you know, would be great. Um, and I I do think that there will be enough power, you know, that plays and, uh, and you know, he's going to steal bases. Uh, he's already got four stolen bases on the season. So, uh, but this is a bummer. I mean, this was a second round yeah. pick. The people were taking him on the wheel at in main events. Um, yeah, I mean, going to the Mets, that Mets team that was supposed to be so great. Of course, the injuries have devastated them. Mm-hmm. But they've got guys went, back now. I mean, they you know, Alonzo came back. Uh, went yard last night mm-hmm. too, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, so you know, hopefully they start getting healthy and in the, the lineup around him is a little bit better. But I'm not a you know big believer in like lineup protection really increasing. Well, it, it'll certainly help with runs and ribbies. Though. Yes, like yes, there, there's sure. no two ways around that. That you know, it'll be a better lineup to be a part of uh for Lindor and all those guys as they get fully healthy and yeah you know we're not we're not getting rid of Lindor in any way shape or form there's no league where I'd cut him um I wouldn't necessarily trade for him but let's let's talk about some potential trade Mm -hmm. avenues he went in the seventh round of the Memorial Day League by the way and um the closest starter was John Means would you do a one for one there yes well I, I want Means yeah, you get me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would you trade Lindor for Charlie Morton? No. What about his teammate Ian Anderson, who's going to be featured on our watch party this week when we watch Absolutely. Washington at Atlanta, Patrick Corbin at Ian Anderson. So we get to watch somebody who's struggling that we want to analyze in Corbin mm-hmm. and someone who's been, you know, pitching very well and Anderson eager to see how he's doing. Uh you would take Anderson yeah, I would. before Lindor. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
would you take either of Snell or Castillo? Two guys that um, if we do, maybe on Thursday we'll do a buy low or let go for pitchers, and obviously both of those guys would be on there. Would you take either of them for Lindor? Let's just assume in this case, if you're trading Lindor, you hit on some late shortstop stuff. So where you're fine there, like you got Joey Wendell, who's at your mm-hmm. middle. You got Joe, uh, Josh Rojas. Yeah, yeah. You hit on something to where you can afford to give up this piece, but you do need some pitching. Do you speculate on these studs who are struggling their faces off? Throw Strasburg in there too. Any of those three would you take for Lindor? Um, I think I would take Castillo and Snell. I definitely would not take Strasburg. Okay. Okay. Now let's flip it real quick here. You're trading for Lindor, mm-hmm. and now you're trading some of your uh, some of your higher end or some of your early successful stuff. Would you trade Chris Bassett for Lindor? Are you a Bassett hound? Mm, I have been in the past. I did not get a lot of Bassett this year. A few, few I, I didn't get a lot, but but I am a Bassett hound, man. He's been pitching really well again yeah, this no, year. Yeah, I, no, I think I would hold on to Bassett. I mean, Bassett has the best uh, strikeout rate of his career, the best walk rate of his career, uh, you know, 321 ERA, 291 XERA. So, I mean, he, he's... Deserved even better than what he's had. His whip is at one flat. Uh, <laughs> he's been great. Yeah, no, he's I been think like I would hold really on good. to Bassett. Okay, I think that that's uh, that's a fair take there for sure. What about um, this one's hard because like he's he's like Rich Rod where I think he's getting traded. I was gonna say Ian Kennedy who has been a great closer, but it it just seems so time limited with him that I don't think you can trade. You can't. Uh, I don't think you can get Lindor for him. What about uh, last one here? What about um, – sorry, I'm struggling. I don't know if I should go hitter or pitcher here. Go pitcher. Okay, what about Manoa? What about the, the, the spicy new kid on the block here? <laughs> That's Alec a Manoa tough for Lindor. One. I think I would go Manoa. Um, it's a really fair offer there. If that you needed is, some hitting – yeah. And and you your pitching's great, but you bought Manoa just because. If you, you know, need the hitting, up. you you obviously go Lindor there because I mean, as much as I like Manoa and I think he could be just a real difference maker in fantasy, and I'm super pumped mm-hmm. I didn't get any uh, pickups on him this week. Uh, like I mean, he's he's a young pitcher who hasn't thrown a lot of innings in the majors or Triple A, uh, and. I mean, they throw so hard. You wonder, like, you know, he's one pit, you know, one pitch away from, you know, being on the IL or something. So I think you go Lindor, but uh, that's really intriguing. I like. I think that's like one of those win-win situations. Uh, I agree. Potentially, I agree. If everything sets up for the teams in question, it'd be really nice to uh, to see how that trade goes down there, Lindor for Manoa. Let's move on to another guy with a ton of expectation. He's supposed to be, you know, in a great lineup. People really liking him. Although I will say there was a little turn of the tide on him when uh, when they started to add pieces that he would move down the lineup, and that's Kevin Biggio. Now he is on the IL at this point, so uh, we're talking about him in a different scope of the other guys because his price is going to be cheaper being on the IL, and I'm not even sure if you want to buy. I did want to at least bring him up, though, because he's been 
He's been really brutal. Sitting 205, 315, 315. Did not stutter there. His OBP and slug are the exact same. Three homers, two steals in his 151 plate appearances. Again, on the IL with a cervical spine ligament sprain, which sounds awful, um, a.k.a. a sore neck, apparently. That's what it says. It's, you know, that it's just a fancy way for it. But it sounds like a significant uh, sore neck. Is is Kevin Biggio somebody you'd buy low right now? Because I don't know that the price could be any lower at this point. If you can afford to take on a injured asset, is he somebody that intrigues you at all? Not really. I mean, there's nothing in the profile that makes me super intrigued by Biggio right now. No, it'd be a blind bet. You can't find those underlying numbers that are like, oh, this is going to turn. You're you're buying on previous year success and just faith that he could turn it around. Uh, there's no magic number in there for you. Yeah, I mean, if the price is low enough, and really it's not, like if someone drops him in a league, uh, I might be interested to pick him up. Um, but... Because I mean, and it's only because he's what like quadruple eligible at this point. Yeah, I think so. Um, he went in the twenty first round of uh, of my Memorial Day. That's a fine gamble. And he and he was on the IL already. Yeah, he got put on the IL on May twenty second. This doesn't seem they like what it, they were it's doing. not supposed to be an injury or injury that keeps him out super long. Like he, like there's a chance he's back mid June. Um, but, I mean, yeah, there's not much in the profile. I mean, he's striking out 31% of the time. He's got the, you know, worst swing and strike rate of his short career. Um, I mean, he is making a fair amount of zone contact, uh, but he's swinging outside of the zone more than he has his first two seasons. Uh, it hasn't been, like, his barrel percentage is, like, 12th percentile. Um the exit velocity numbers are mediocre, which is not something we necessarily expected from a guy like Biggio. Sure. Um, yeah, there's just not much there that I'm super, uh, super intrigued by at the moment. So yeah, I, I generally don't buy folks already on the IL, so I don't know no, that I would. I don't. I don't think I. Would. I mean, like if you have an open IL spot and he's on the wire, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, I think something like that is about all you, all you would do right now and just stash him and and see what's what down the line, but I don't even he know. He walks, uh, which is great, but... That that does keep the OBP high and, and should keep his SB opportunities there, but uh, we got to get him healthy and, and, and playing at this point. By the way, I'm looking at the uh, draft board for my Memorial Day, and somebody has Biggio, Bell, and another guy that we're going to talk about on this list, and two guys that I could have talked about. I almost put Goldschmidt on for the first base one, and they have Goldschmidt... And they have Patrick Corbin. Hey, it's the buy low team. So this guy went full buy low. He just here. used I the mean, ADP of the, the earlier. Uh, I mean, drafts. He, he really did though. He has uh, Lemayhew, Story, um, Sonny Gray, who hasn't been amazing. He did get a couple buy high guys. He has uh, Cedric Mullins, who went in the thirteenth round. Boom. Joey Wendell, who we talked about, who's been great. Uh, but he bought Kenta Maeda in the 19th round, which feels like a really oh, nice how price. How many IL guys do you have? That's, that's at least three. 
That's true. That's and like so, that's something it, you can't really do. It is a twelve teamer. Oh yes, please sack too. No, he bought too many guys. Yeah, Never. because you can't really do that, especially in the Memorial Day leagues, because there's less time. Yep. To accrue too stats. Many. Yeah. It's too many. Like I, I get going for, but I would if I was gonna do the buy low team, it has to be buy low guys that are playing at least. Absolutely. He's just he's just got too many guys that that aren't that aren't playing right now. Watch well, uh, in the overall. Oh yeah, and then uh, he listened to the show and be like, "Hey, idiots. <laughs> all the people that hit us up on Twitter for that OC league that you thrashed so that was so, so funny that we got like, I, messages from like four guys." Yeah, and I, I greatly appreciate that. All right, this next guy is automatic get let go for me, but we'll see what you think. Uh, Justin Mason. Mm. Off to a brutal start this year. I don't see anything in the yeah. profile that makes me want to get this. No, the guy underlying over. numbers are good on Justin Mason. Though. I'll say that about him, dude. You're yeah. so biased, bro. Yeah, this is a homer pick, right? For sure. Uh, <laughs> you really but... would buy this guy, this Justin Mason? Yeah. Dude? Okay, I, I have a Fangraphs team. I'll pick him up, put him on on my Fangraphs team. I guess with this Justin Mason guy, yeah. but I'm not putting him on all my teams, Justin. I just don't know about him. But what, what, he, what do you I like? Mean, he just face? shows up every day. Like that's, that's all. True. It's all. You know what I mean? Volume. He's an accumulator. He's yeah. a volume player. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, let's. Uh, you put yourself on on the list, which I thought was very funny. Um, let's stay with uh, Kevin Biggio's teammate here. One of my big time picks of the year, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who has been a colossal disappointment. And I, hey, if you if you jumped in with me, man, I'm I'm sorry. I'm eating it across virtually every dang league I'm in. I will say a little light here over the last two weeks, 14 games, 56 plate appearances, 370, 382, 574 with a couple homers, um, you know, something to latch on to, but uh, that still only moved the bottom line. That hot streak moved his bottom line to a 75 WRC plus for Gurriel Jr. It's been rough. Buy low or let go on Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? Mm, I think you're buying low. Yay! I was gonna say it too. Yeah, I think I think he he's showing some better skills. Now, I mean, here's the he's being really aggressive this year. Um, and so I think there are gonna be kind of some ups and downs. Uh, like he's only walking two percent of the time, and I mean that's actually gone down over the course of the last month. <laughs> He, yeah, during his hot lit- streak, he just is attacking, dude. Yeah, I mean, he has a total of one walk in 101 at-bats, or 104 plate appearances. Oh, my gosh. But he's hitting 267. Yeah. Like, like so, like, and, you know, two home runs, uh, you know, eight doubles. So, like, I mean, he's, uh, he's, getting, he's getting on base via the hit. Um, just he's not being patient at all. Uh, this screams a player who was struggling early in the season, and he said, "I'm just going to hit my way out of this." True. Uh, and so far, it's working. Now, I'd like him to become a little bit more patient. Like he doesn't, he's never going to be a double digit walk guy. No, that's not for sure. That's not his or his brother's game. But two yeah. percent walks for the season is rough. I will say. Um, exp- Do you know what his O swing is? Uh, like sixty percent. No, it's forty. Forty. I was gonna say forty-two, but... and then I went really high because I thought maybe you were asking because it was like obscenely hilarious. But yeah, that's still obscenely no, that's still, that's, like 
for context for folks that don't know, 40 is still what O swing is swinging out of the zone. So if you're yeah. swinging at almost half of the pitches out of the zone, that's really high. 60 would have been like, holy crap. Uh, his his O contact percentage is like sixty four percent, which is oh crap! Like, how's he making contact with that? Seriously. Much? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's gonna be okay. I do think he was a little overhyped uh, coming happened. off of the big twenty twenty season. Um, I, I the BABIP would you know ran extremely high, but I I think he can kind of do what he's doing right now, which is hit like 265 with, you know, 15 plus home runs rest of the way, you know, chip in some stolen bases mm -hmm. where the end of the season line looks, uh, you know, like, I don't know, low twenties home runs in six, seven stolen bases. And then he'll be kind of an underrated asset coming into, uh, 2022. Yep. No, I agree with that take totally on on Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I'm sticking with him. Um, it's been rough, but I'm, I'm not quitting him. And that great team will help with the runs and ribbies as well because he's going to play every day. And as long as he's healthy, he's in there doing his thing. And one thing about all that uh, all that swinging is you can get those those extra ribbies, you know, when there's guys in scoring position and he's out there hacking, uh, we, we can get those guys driven in. So we're turning the tide a bit on on Gurriel Jr. and I like where we're at, so I'm sticking with him. What about Jorge Soler? Um, I feel like he's just been a little bit off the radar since his big breakout season. Uh, it, this year has been unbelievable. Like he fell off last year, but it was the two months, and it was like okay, you know, the power was still there, so I don't think it got a lot of attention. Um, he wasn't uh, very pricey this year. He was super affordable if you wanted to buy Jorge Soler in your in your leagues. I didn't I didn't find him to be egregiously priced. He's been a nightmare. 178, 257, 314. The power's gone too. 136 on the ISO uh, with four homers in his 195 plate appearances. Soler has a 60 WRC plus. Um, I know I've been going back and forth between WRC plus and OPS plus. They're not that different, but it just depends if I'm looking something up on BREF or our, our site. Um, but it's been, I mean, it's been unquestionably brutal. I think there's no reason that the Royals wouldn't, wouldn't continue to play him. So he's going to get a chance to play his way through it. But are you buying low or letting go on Jorge Soler? This is a really kind of befuddling profile. I, I let him go in a league this week. I don't blame you. Um, but like it's, I don't understand like how this is so bad. Like this is one I think I need to go and actually sit down and watch. Yeah, because like what's going on? Because like he's making his his own contract percentage is eighty one percent. His exit velos, you know, exit or average exit velocity and max exit velocity. Are really really good. His barrel percentage. Last year. Yeah, barrel percentage. It's down, but it's still eighty five percentile. Yeah. Like, like there's no reason a guy who makes as much hard contact, um, puts it in the air forty five percent of the time. 
And when and when you get to that, making, though, I, I think you look at the BABIP then, and then you do use it as as the luckometer. You know, I always push back on that when people just run to it. But you're going through every other stat here, and we're not seeing a reason why he's underperforming. I think we do look at the BABIP and say, hey, that's playing a big role here. Do you not agree? And the homer to play, fly, fly ball rate. It's definitely, it's definitely playing a role here. Uh, Both of those like factors, for, BABIP and homer to fly ball, I think. And I think one of the things we're going to have to kind of look at more with this uh, with this new ball is, I, I, I mean, there's, there's got to be someone who's smarter than me out there can do a study on this. Like, this has got to be affecting guys in stadiums that are pitchers' parks m- way more than it's affecting guys in hitters' parks. Okay, because, yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, I mean, him hitting in Kaufman, I think, is really hurting him. Uh, because there's no reason he should have only four home runs. And yeah, the bat bip is part of it, but like even his X batting average is 225. So it's, I mean, that's a 40 points, 50 points away. That's, um, that's huge. Um, but I mean, it's not like he'd be doing what he did in 2019, you know? Um, I mean, I think he's going to hit 20 home runs the rest of the year. Uh, and he'll probably do it at like a two twenty-five to two thirty-five batting average. Which say, means say that again. How many home runs do you think he hits? Twenty plus rest of the way. Yeah, I actually think. Um, I, I know I said at the beginning I was like, get rid of him. I I, I think as we're going through this though, I, I actually might buy on. Solar. I kind of wish. I kind of wish I hadn't. No, I mean you're gonna have to. Um, you're gonna have to kind of keep track of your batting average right exactly he's, he's not gonna like his his batting average going up is gonna be like he's still like one of the worst hitters in terms of batting average but like there's there's plenty of power in this bat we're seeing it in the in the, the stat cast metrics uh we're seeing him you know a, a power hitter like him having an 81 percent zone contact percentage is really really good um yeah, there's no reason to think he's not gonna rebound. Uh, but that being said, like I, I wish, I wish I had the time or the uh, intelligence to do a kind of study on this, <laughs> because uh, yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to see like how much some of these larger stadiums uh, are really sapping the power. Because we're seeing guys like Lindor lose a ton of power. Yep. A guy like Soler, like Soler should have, you know. Uh, I'm actually going to go check like his his expected home runs per part. Well, I was going to say um, um, I was going to do an even quicker calculation than that while, while you're doing that. But I was going to, to do his um, his fly ball rate if he was just at his like standard like 20 ish percent homer to fly ball. That would give him six more homers if he had 10 homers. And then let's say let's say that adds. Um, That'd be six more homers. Let's say it adds 10 more ribbies. If he was at 10 homers, 34 ribbies with like um, even like a 205 average, this would feel so much better. Uh, but he's just been so negative on the BABIP and homer to fly ball rate while everything else His is expected working. home runs by Park are almost double in at least half of the state. This is Jorge Soler. Uh, yeah. I say you should message our, our group chat and see if uh, Eno wants to do it. Because that's something that that sounds like something that Eno can do, and uh, yeah, I'm I I think I am actually buying Solaire. And if you, if you're picking him up off the wire um, in some of the shallower leagues where I think you will be able to, I think you can afford to 
maybe wait until a hot streak comes about too, where you sit him. And then once you start to see that first Homer, it could be the beginning of a hot streak and then you dive in. I think that's what I would be more apt to do. I don't know that I would put Soler in and set it and forget it, especially because if you're picking him up in a 10 or 12 team, then that average is really going to hurt. But if you have enough bench spots where you can afford to be like, hey, I'm going to play this a little bit more, uh, you know, cautiously here. I think there's going to be a, an, an aggressive hot streak at some point in the summer for Soler where he has like 14 homers in 22 games or something. So I think we're both buying on Soler. Um, if you get- That's why I like doing these exercises because I, I, if I just, when I just looked at the name, I went, yeah, I'm draw. I, I thought he was a stone cold him. cut. I totally agree. Yeah. Like when I said that at the yeah. beginning of the of this, I was I was being serious because I thought I was cutting him. And then as you went through each stat, I'm like, wait a minute, uh, I disagree here. I'm I'm disagreeing with myself. Now this one is a stone cold cut. I don't think there's anything you can tell me to get me to stay on the James McCann train because I wrote about him recently and I <laughs> I saw how bad it is and I am scared. And even in two catcher leagues, I'm cutting. I'm cutting him. I don't see anything here that makes me want to ride this out with James McCann um, to the point where I'd rather have like an Austin Barnes, a, a a partial player who does well in his in his you know one or two starts a week. I'd rather have that than somebody like this who's beating my numbers down every single day because his off days are now being spent at first base. Now that's over starting today or starting yesterday, I guess. So never mind. I don't have to count that part of it, but he is still the, the full-time catcher. Thomas Nito is uh, a, a partial guy. I might take Nito over him, to be honest. He's hitting 263, 311, 491 to McCann's 213, 281, 307. Uh, maybe he turns it around. Maybe he gets that BABIP going again. Cause that was what was driving him these last two years. But I'm not sticking around to find out. I I'm, I already cut McCann in my 12 teamer last week. Yeah, I mean it's his. It was his bad up against lefties that really uh, really drove his work. I mean, uh, and his work just overall versus lefties. But he's he's running a 176 bad up versus lefties this year. So that like that will improve. Like I I do see some improvement, yeah. but it's not enough to make me stick around. Where... Well, especially because the White Sox had Grandall, like they they used McCann in spots, yes. like they they were able. And I, this was one of the concerns I had with McCann coming into draft season that I mentioned a few times is I worried about him getting overexposed in a full time role. It looks like that's and exactly that's what's happened here. I think what's you nailed happened. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't see a whole lot in the profile and because he signed that, you know, four year, $40 million contract, uh, he's going to play like they, they have to play him. I agree. Um, and there's not much, you know, I mean, he makes a fair amount of zone contact, but so much of it is weak. And I think he's again, a guy who's hurt by the park that he plays in the ball that's being used this year, mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of, you know, the, when he does make hard contact, it's ending up at the warning track. Um, and that's not helping. And, and then he's also hitting the ball into the ground a lot this year. I mean, a 53% ground ball rate uh, from a guy who's, you know, career 42% guy. Uh, yeah, it just, there's not much here in the profile that I think, um, I mean, I think he's going to be better. Like, I think he'll hit he can't 230 be worse, the rest of the way. Right? 
Yeah, I think he's going to get 230 the rest of the way. But I also would not be surprised if he finished the year with single-digit home runs. Oh, that'd be so tough. Yeah. Like, right now, most of the projection systems have him hitting 8 to 10 home runs rest of the way. Um, but I think they're taking into account the work he's done over the course of his career mm-hmm. um, in a better park uh, with a different ball. Like I, I'm, I actually think he's probably going to end up with like nine home runs, maybe ten. But that's definitely not what you paid for if you bought him. You were thinking you were getting a guy who was going to be able to finally have a full time role and carry over the work that he was doing in the part-time role in Chicago. And that, that's not going to happen. I, I liked him. I, I really did. I came in saying, you know what? I believe in some of what we've been seeing. Obviously, I don't think he's going to maintain the Babips this high, but bring those down a little bit, put his average in the 260s. Volume is going to be nice because this team that he's on, you know, he popped 18 homers in 2019. And I thought maybe he could reach something like that again. Uh, because, yeah, he did that in 476 plate appearances in 2019. I thought he was going to play even more. So you can get 18 and say, you know, 530 plate appearances. But it's just been rough, and uh, I- I'm nervous. So I-, I cut him. I could see him being a a, a re-pickup a re- down the line. Uh, so I'm not saying I'm a 1,000% out even as things change. But I think right now, instead of taking those hits every week where you're just getting – beaten down by his six awful games every week, I think you put something else in and then revisit it. I think we often, as a fantasy community, underrate how damaging bad catchers can be because we we dismiss them because they're low volume. Yeah, it's lower volume, but it's not no volume. And I, I think that's something that uh, uh, Todd Zola does a good job at like highlighting. The baseball forecaster does gonna, a piece yep. on it like all the time where – they talk about like how many guys give you negative value and like, yes, comparatively speaking to the entire catcher pool, like that doesn't hurt you as much because there's so many guys. But when people are rostering the JT roll Mutos of the world or the Sal Perez of the world, mm-hmm. they're getting a lot of positive value to your negative value. It puts you way behind the curve to roster these really, really bad. Catchers. Exactly. And that's exactly where I, changed my mind on it as far as not doing the $1 catcher things in auction or just waiting was that forecaster article in the front piece, by the way, forecaster, obviously I am obsessed with it. Uh, I've been writing for it now for the last few years, which is unbelievable. I still remember when Jason gave me my first one and it was like, if, if my life ever became a movie, which it never will, they would have like that uh, that origin story there of, of him giving me the first forecaster. Maybe you'll get a spinoff of my, life becoming a oh great and then i'll do a little cutaway to me and then and then yeah. jason uh give you can be the hawkeye of this organization oh man hawkeye i'd rather be black widow man <laughs> come on hawkeye you do not have the moves for bad black widow I know, come but, on uh, yeah I, okay i'm not gonna say anything inappropriate but scarlett johansson's <laughs> wonderful what a good person anyway moving on that's gonna be it for this one uh james mccann just be careful I, I would cut mostly like i said even two catcher leagues and maybe revisit down the line um, those are our buy low or let go hitters. Probably do a pitcher version on Thursday. You know Snell and Castillo are going to be there. Uh, do you want to deal with the headache of Herman Marquez? We uh, had somebody. It'll be a shorter episode because we'll have to uh, we'll have to get off for the live stream. Yes, we'll be leading right into that, so it'll be it'll be super quick. So, uh, or not su- it'll be like a tight hour, but it'll it'll be going right into the uh, the uh, Discord 
game watch party, Patrick Corbin, who will also be on that list, by the way. So we could use him as the perfect segue. Good. Hopefully he'll be listening. I, I, I'm i sure like Josh, like Josh Bell's probably just blasting it out into the Nationals locker room. Hey, Josh, get, get your game going. And Corbin, we're coming for you on Thursday. They, they definitely heard that. All right, Justin, talk to you in a couple days. Peace. Take it easy.